You're listening to the Inside Study Abroad podcast, episode number seven. Welcome to the Inside Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Roberts. In this show, we explore the world of international education and meaningful travel with some fascinating guests, a little friendly debate, and a whole lot of practical advice. Let's get going. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. I am so excited to be back in the swing of things. I just returned last weekend from my epic trip to Tanzania, where I summited Mount Kilimanjaro, the roof of Africa, 19,314 feet. And I have to say, you guys, uh, in true study abroad fashion, I am still processing this this experience. It was probably the hardest Thing I've ever done physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, and I'm still unpacking it all. And I'm really excited to share uh, some great videos um, coming soon about the experience. Uh, seven day hike uh, with 19 amazing women and yogis uh, with some incredible guides and porters. It was just a really, really powerful experience. I'm really excited to share that with you. Um, As a result of me sort of being off the grid, I uh, took a little hiatus from the podcast, as you'll probably have noticed. But I'm back. I'm back with a great episode with my friend Andy Steves. And he is the founder of Weekend Student Adventures. And he's also the author of a new book, called Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. And this is such an awesome conversation. I'm really excited for you guys to dive into it. We talk about um, what it was like for Andy growing up in a very travel-oriented, travel-centric family. His dad is Rick Steves, if you didn't know that, uh, and what that was like growing up, because it's definitely something I can't relate to. Growing up in Kansas, you know, we went to Kansas City for our vacations. We weren't hopping over to Europe. So it was really cool to hear what that was like for him. We also get into what his company Weekend Student Adventures is all about, how it got started, what was really the inspiration for him to create an organization like this and, and what they do for students. We also get into some a little bit of controversial topics. We talk about um, should students be city hopping while they study abroad and the value of that or not. And also we talk a little bit about Andy's experience working in the international education space, working with administrators and trying to bridge the gap between creating these uh, weekend experiences for students and the the needs and desires of interna- international education professionals and, and how he's sort of bridged the gap between those two things. It's a really cool conversation and I hope you guys get a lot out of it. And so let's get into the show. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for being here. I want to get started and ask you how you got to where you are today. Hey, Brooke. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, congrats on your new podcast. This is really exciting. I've been enjoying following along. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And what, When it comes to where I got my start, geez, it goes back to uh, my prenatal days. I was traveling in my mom's womb over to Europe you know, before I was even out. So, And, and on top of that, every summer since with the family, uh, I grew up traveling with a, uh, a guidebook writing father and uh, a family who liked to get over to Europe a lot. So um, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I felt pretty comfortable and confident 
uh, making my own way around Europe. So um, I took my own independent backpacking trip and then studied abroad. I worked as a tour guide for my dad's company. And all of those um, different factors and experiences really laid the groundwork for my tour company, Weekend Student Adventures, and my new book, Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget, that just came out last week. So, um, you know, it, it, I, that's the that's the short version. No, I'm happy to go great. in deeper. No, that's great. So let's... So I think that's cool, and everyone's going to be like, wow, yay, you're lucky you got to travel growing up. Your dad is Rick Steves. I mean, yes, those are mm-hmm. all sort of cool things. Did, what, did mm-hmm. you ever have a point in your life? I mean, every, everybody's got – not everybody. I actually was a really good kid. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I feel like everybody had those times where they kind of revolted against, like, where they came from and who they were. I mean, when I was 18, I was like, I have to get out of Kansas. Like, I didn't want anything to do with it. Now I, I'm so proud of you. it. So I didn't know, like, did you ever have a point in your life where, like, travel was so ingrained to you? You were like, this is stupid. I just want to be home and play baseball all summer. Or, you know, did you ever have a, a moment where travel kind of was almost a, an annoyance right. to you? Yeah, absolutely, actually. Um, through middle school and high school, it was tough because, you know, if, if Rick Steves is in Europe, he is working. You know, it's not a vacation at all. He's 110% working harder than anybody else out there. He's researching for his book. He's leading tours. Uh, we made TV shows um, as a family around Europe. And so, you're, you know, it's, it's funny you brought that up because um, I was really pissed about missing my uh, the field day. You know, growing up, um, you'd work all throughout the fourth uh, fourth grade to be on good behavior to earn those. My teacher called them duck bucks, or you know, like good behavior currency and rewards that they give you so that you can use them for for fun things at the end of the year. Well. We would always get pulled out, you know, a week before that happens, and uh, and we'd miss it. And so, um, yes, you're, you're right. It, at at certain points, it, it was frustrating, but and you know, o- overall, it re- it really set me up to to be where I am today. Right. No, I think. I mean, I mean, I get it. <laughs> it's yeah. Like it's hard to be mad about that. I mean, about getting to travel. Um. What did do you remember a time? You know, as you got older and sort of, you know developmentally it got to sort of understand the experience you were having more and more do you have a moment in your either childhood or adolescence even high school where there's something really resonated with you about the the travel the intercultural experience that just sort of really um has stayed with you over the years Mm. That's that's a good question my you know, there's two experiences that stick out to me, and they're actually both after high school. Um, the first one is my first independent trip through Europe. So rather than keeping to somebody else's schedule, I could just do my own thing with my best friend Alex. We're taking a six-week-long backpacking trip through Europe, and and when you finally have that freedom to go at your own pace, we really saw just as many museums and went to just as many cultural sites. But you have that. Um, you know that that independence that you wouldn't have otherwise when you're when you're traveling with your family. So that really opened up the the magic of independent travel to me in in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then the second fundamental experience I had was when I studied abroad in Rome in the spring of 2008. I, I did my undergrad at Notre Dame and then I spent my spring semester junior year at a school called John Cabot University. And my friends and I, we absolutely loved it. And that was the first time I had a chance to actually plug in a little bit, to integrate a little bit into the local culture. And that's a a completely different kind of experience than the one that I grew up with. And so that's what really 
um, kind of open my eyes to um, how important it is to bridge those cultural gaps and to live in a, in a, in another city in a foreign culture and and just because it really shakes up your world view mm-hmm. in a way that you just can't get by moving to New Mexico you know like right. <laughs> you, you, you just can't get that so so I'm I'm very passionate about helping as many people, students, uh, students and otherwise, um, have those international experiences in Europe or anywhere else around the world. I think there's, there's nothing bad that can, can come from it, really. Right. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, study abroad, it does that to people. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you probably realize this, too. I mean, you've been out of school now for a, you know, a handful of years. Um, and even myself, I've been out of school even longer. I still, to this day, am trying to unpack that experience and really articulate you know, why that semester in Switzerland was so um, empowering, for, empowering for me or mm-hmm. how it affected me in, in, in a myriad of ways. So it's really mm-hmm. cool that you say that. Um, let's talk about weekend student adventures. Now, as an, a fellow entrepreneur, I have to ask you, you know, you come in, you're coming out of Notre Dame. You could have started a lot of businesses and maybe bigger, more lucrative businesses, worked for a tech startup. You could have been on Wall Street. I mean, I'm assuming that the sort of world was open to you in a lot of ways. Why did you decide to slug it out in a relatively small niche of student travel? <laughs> I've never quite looked at it that way, but because um, it's plenty big for me. But, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I a couple a couple different things. One, I'm, I'm not a Wall Street kind of guy like that that's not that's not my Me track either, but right? I had so so that it. was easy that was um that kind of track was easy to write off but you know rewind a few years back in 2009 2010 when me and all of my class were graduating and of course the class around the country um the economy was going sideways and right. hardly anybody was getting jobs um especially if you're inexperienced and i was majoring in industrial design and italian so i i was halfway through an application to the Politecnico di Milano, um, the university in Milan, to do a yacht design uh, master's degree. And that's what I was really excited for. Um, but when I studied abroad, I could not ignore this need, this, this serious need and um, opportunity to put together educational, culturally engaged weekend and week-long adventures in Europe for students studying abroad. There are plenty of other tour companies out there, but I... I just I felt almost obligated to provide an a, a fun alternative to the booze cruise togo party pub crawl style tours that were the only option um, when it, that existed when I was in Rome. Mm-hmm. And so for, for my friends and I who wanted something different, it just naturally felt to me to be the one to organize weekend excursions to Sicily, to Naples, to Venice, to Switzerland, to Prague. At the first couple weeks of the semester, it was like five or six friends of mine coming with me. But by the end of the semester, it was over 30 friends, Whoa. but also acquaintances. <laughs> and so this is when you know, I was still juggling. I took an I took eighteen credits in Rome because I heard it was it was well. I heard it wasn't quite as academically challenging as as my classes back in Notre Dame. So I was like, I'm gonna I got to get another I got to get another class under my belt. So I was juggling six classes, organizing travels for over thirty students, and just you know loving every second of my experience in Rome. And so um, these uh, uh, you know by the time the groups were getting that big, however, it really became a job. And so that's when, you know, I lived the need. I had intimate experience with it because I went through it myself and I had the background, I had the expertise. And of course I had 
the best in the business, the guy um, for me to ask and go to in case I had any questions. Now, um, my dad has been less helpful in the like business startup you know, realm because he started his business 30 years ago. And it's, you know, imagine, you know, cell phones, no internet, no, um, uh, you know, I, it's, it's a completely different world that he built his business in. And now he has a full-time staff of 80 plus people who run the show. And so, um, he's fairly, uh, disconnected from the operations of his business, but I, I, I'm very fortunate to have idea him to, to bounce ideas off of, um, uh, for, for more, um, strategic, uh, questions, I guess. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Good answer. Good answer. No, <laughs> uh-huh. no but I think I think uh, you hit on some 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 really interesting challenges when it comes to um, you know a student's experience abroad and, and making it really meaningful as opposed mm-hmm. to sort of these these sort of I don't know like you mentioned the toga party experiences or this the pub mm-hmm. crawls. I mean, I'm not I'm not against having fun in study abroad. Sure. I think that sometimes I think as professionals in this space, sometimes we get so so focused on the academic experience and the learning, learning, learning that we think, oh no, if if they're having fun, then all the learning stops. You know, sure. I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. However, I think you're right. Giving students a, an opportunity to explore their the local city, local country, local region mm-hmm. in a in a more meaningful way, but also have a little fun when they do it, I think sure. is great. Um, and you know, I don't <clears throat> like a toga party and a pub crawl and a booze cruise is not bad in and of itself, but it's such a tragedy when you see students miss out. Uh, you know, do that at the expense of actual cultural experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's just what I'm, um, what I've seen to be so, uh, important, like such a, um, important mission for me to, to really figure out how to communicate that to students, to parents and to administrators and, and professionals in the space. Right. So here's a question for you. You have a company weekend student adventures. You're now, about six, seven years out of school, mm-hmm. are they starting to look at you like, who's this old guy? <laughs> yeah. I'm 29. I'm, I'm going to be 30 <laughs> in March and next year. And uh, yeah, when I started my company, I was like, oh, 30, 30 is a long ways off, but, uh, but now it's right around the corner. Um, luckily, I have uh, been recruiting staff and promoters and um, uh, people to help me spread the word about WSA. Um, who are a little bit closer to the student's age. And so right. my basically my full-time job is to figure out how I can um, continue things so that I don't physically have to be there in right. front of students day in and day out. Right. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to be there for Dublin, St. Paddy's. I'm going to be there for Easter in Rome. I'm going to be there for the, the important events and, and larger tours. Um, but, uh, but I'm trying to uh, scale this company to, to the place where I think it is destined. I think... I think there's a huge demand out there, and it's just we've had a. Um, uh, I've bootstrapped this company, and it's been a. It's just uh, been a long haul to 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 gain that awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, while students might be looking at me, thinking that who's this old guy, you know, more or less. Um, administrators are finally, you know, the positive word of mouth is getting back to these administrators. We have amazing reviews on TripAdvisor uh, and Tour Raider and Facebook. Um, we we finally have a reputation now of quality and um, quality of experience and value. And so that is, uh, it's exciting 
to have that reputation and to have this body of work and effort to to kind of um, uh, to, to leverage or to rest on, um, but you know we we never stop improving either. So right, no, that's cool. That was yeah. mostly a joke of a question, obviously. But, I see. Uh, <laughs> no, it's true, I, though. It's no, true. it's no, but and I, I'm I, sensitive to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think that that does come. I think when you're operating. Um, in a space like international education, I, and if you listen to the interview with Cynthia Banks, I mean, even she talked about this, is that sometimes it wasn't her her gender necessarily that maybe, you know, caused issues in her growth and development, getting taken seriously in the field, but um, her age. You know, when she first started mm-hmm. her company, I think she was like 23, 22, 23 24 right. years old, too. Right. So that same sort of concept, I think we have a... Yeah, I don't oh, see that culture going anywhere, yeah, unfortunately. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's kind of a higher education thing, I think, too. Mm-hmm. So what about, I mean, your dad, obviously, I think a huge asset for you, um, both just like giving you these amazing life experiences growing up. I'm like super jealous of you. I mean, for me, my family was like going to Kansas City for the day. Woohoo! You know, yeah, party. So, I know. So, <laughs> so it was just sort of, I'm like, I can't even... I can't even relate to that type of life and experience, but I'm also curious too. I mean, how we kind of touched on this when we met at NAFSA, but you know, has, has your father's sort of fame and notoriety in the travel space ever been a hindrance to you launching sort of these, your own endeavors, your own, your own companies? You know, it, I would never say it's a hindrance um, mm-hmm. ever. I mean, like the the Rick Steves name and brand is is known so thoroughly when it comes to European tourism that um, that it's it's never a bad thing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, you know, what what's kind of on on my plate on my radar is to uh, to establish myself enough uh, um, in, in my own right to be. Um, you know, working in a parallel space, yes, the same industry, European tourism, um, but uh, from a different angle and kind of with the uh, the uh, the modern budget backpacker and traveler in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, my biggest thing is it's it's not a it's not a negative thing at all. But my th- my goal is to. Um, to to begin getting crowds to my book talks, for example, with um, students who are you know of the age that would use it, rather mm-hmm. than their parents or their grandparents considering buying it as a present for them. Right. You know, like it, I've given five boat talks in the last couple of weeks um, on this promo circuit, and you know, many of the people in the crowd are out because they know the Rick Steves brand, and of course, I have a lot of legwork to do to to create the Andy Steves brand. But right. uh, I, I guess I'm six years into it now, so right. well, we'll, keep, we'll keep plugging. <laughs> well, I, I think you're doing great. And I, and I think I just asked this because I think, um, you know, I know, I, I think I, when we met might have been like Houston, NAFSA. Were you at Houston, NAFSA? I was at Houston, Kansas City. Okay. Um, I don't think yeah. I met you at Kansas City yet. but Vancouver. Your dad yeah. was also at the Houston, NAFSA. I think he was speaking. Right. And, um, and so I have my photo with him. Yeah. But uh, I don't have my photo with you, sadly. So we'll have to make that happen. <laughs> uh, but I just thought it was interesting to see how, you know, obviously – you know, for me personally, I would have thought like, oh, like, come on, dad, you're crimping my stuff. <laughs> like, you know, but also mm-hmm. knowing too that like having him as, um, you know, it's a lot of social proof. You know, we talk about this kind of thing in, in entrepreneurship um, and having him as sort of um, uh, a great brand to sort of bolster. Like, not only do I have this great father who taught me a lot, but now uh-huh. with all this other stuff that I've created on my own, I think that's really great. Yeah, um, exactly. I, th- I think this is a great segue into you have written a book, which is, I think, 
wow and really impressive congratulations it's it's been released right so anybody can get it on amazon i'll link to it from the show notes um and it's called andy steve's europe city hopping on a budget so give us sort of the the really quick elevator pitch like what is it Sure. Um, for, for the last several years, I've, I've been thinking that there's just no resource out there for today's uh, budget traveler in Europe. And so I, I wanted to design a book that was uh, really relevant to just about everyone going to Europe for the first time on a budget. City hopping on a budget, what I mean by that is d- today – most people travel around Europe by hopping on, um, you know, the the budget airline flights to zip around the continent. And my dad's book is hasn't quite grasped that yet. And his listings are too expensive, and there's simply too many. I found that if you give somebody thirty different restaurants to choose from, and they're only in Prague for three days, you know, that's as good as having none, no recommendations. Because how do you cut through all of that, you know? And and so I've really boiled down. Um, uh, the essence of each city into a 25 or 30 page chapter um, for 13 of my favorite cities across Europe. We, I fi- highlight, um, you know, of course, the top sites. The cool thing about this book, though, is um, the the with my tour company, we've had thousands of students go through these uh, three day itineraries of all of our different cities, and so I can use that experience. I know how fa- how long it takes to get from the Louvre to the Eiffel Tower, or from one restaurant to you know a bar or nightlife venue. I know how long that takes. I know where they're geographically located in a city. So I've designed a three day recommended itinerary based off of our experience on our tours and plug that into the book. And we feature my favorite hostels. I talk about the best techniques to find hostels in Airbnb, uh, nightlife, um, restaurants, um, and practical tips, uh, and, and a whole bunch of fun little call-outs and cultural um, uh, information too, but, but relate in a, in a relatable and engaging way, I, I like to think. Yeah, that's really cool. So I have to ask, Oh, sitting next to me right now, my lonely planet for Bali, which I know you're you're covering Europe. But what's uh-huh. the difference between a lonely planet I could get for Europe and this book? Sure. Well, Lonely Planet is uh, uh, one big brand that has many supporting authors that come and go that mm-hmm. that write it. And if you flip to the back, maybe you'll see three or four different authors who collaborated to uh, um, to put that book together. I think I used it last year on my trip to Bali. Um, I had a oh, great nice. time. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but uh, but the that one of the primary differences between that and and this book is I wrote it from start to finish so that when you pick up this book you can get a sense for my my opinion my um, the way I look at at different venues and hostels and you name it and you can get a you can calibrate your own preferences off of that and so it's a very consistent and um, to the point resource mm-hmm. yeah I think that's great I mean uh, have you ever heard of the paradox of choice it's a book haven't uh, I, I haven't read it, but okay. I believe I've heard of it. Yeah, well, there's a TED Talk on it, too. Don't you love it when there's this great book and then there's a TED Talk about it as yeah. well? Um, so there's a TED Talk. I'll link to it in the show notes. But it's like something that, I mean, whenever I have a good relationship with someone and we develop rapport and, I, and this ever comes up, I always send them a book because you can buy them on, on Amazon for $3 at this point. Sorry, Barry Schwartz. He's the mm-hmm. author. Uh, but he's a social mm-hmm. scientist who talked about this concept of that choice is great, but there uh, gets to a point where it's sort of the law of diminishing 
expecting returns, if you will. Right, right. Um, and so I love this idea of you're sort of saying, okay, you've only got three days. How can you sort of extrapolate the most out of the experience from a fun perspective, but from a, you know, a cultural expect, uh, experience as well? And mm-hmm, um, yeah. I think that that's really great because I think, especially young people today, um, choice can be paralyzing. I mean, we talked about that mm-hmm. even in just choosing a study abroad program, the number of options that are available in Rome alone, yeah. you know, for instance, or Barcelona or where have you, um, that it can be debilitating and it becomes like, mm-hmm. well, I can't make a choice. And so I think it's really cool that you sort of help synthesize that down and they can start teaching themselves what they like. So they might love one element of one itinerary that you um, mm-hmm. uh, propose that may realize like, yeah, they're not, you know, they're not nightlife people, but they mm-hmm. are early mm-hmm. morning people and they'll find some other things to do. So, right. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think that's really cool. So one of the things I have to ask, um, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but you know, this idea of country hopping, uh, can be a little bit of a contentious subject in amongst professionals in international education. Um, a lot of people might say that it takes away, you know, from a deeper cultural experience of somebody studying abroad in Rome and spending every weekend leaving Rome. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what would you say to those people who, you know, they don't, they don't feel like students need more encouragement to country hop. Sure. Sure. Well, um, you know the 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 experience of being in Europe for four or five months is is a special one. It's a redeeming one, and it's an important one to have. Absolutely. So we're definitely on the same page, me and and every other administrator in the space, uh, about the value of studying abroad. Now, here's where the disconnect starts: is that s- students are going to travel no matter what. And one of my biggest frustrations over the last six years since I've started my company are the administrators who choose to keep their students in the dark. They'd prefer to block out information for their students rather than provide it for them. And I've seen this happen time and time again, where because of that, students fall into the same unfortunate tourist traps and mistakes semester after semester. And I think that's contrary to, you know, Edu- the, the the tenets of just general education. Um, it's it's not the administrators or the teacher's job to to filter out the information. Uh, leave it to the student to to decide uh, and and decipher what what they want to what they want to do and how they want to achieve their own uh, semester abroad experience, their own semester abroad. They can um, and and leave it up to the students because no matter what you or Brooke or I, Andy or any administrator in the world or even their parents the student's parents says they're going to do what they want to do. If their friends told them that Barcelona is the coolest city to go to, they're going to want to go to Barcelona. And you can't tell them, you can't just block all the information about Barcelona to that student, hoping that that will make them not go. No, what they're going to do is they're going to go to Barcelona stick to La Rambla and get pickpocketed and then only go to the, the three beachfront clubs. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's a weekend in Barcelona. Sure. That's not necessarily a bad weekend in Barcelona, but it can be done so much better and in such a more educational and engaging and culturally aware uh, way. Here's the thing. Europe is made up of not really, obviously it's made up of political countries, but you know, the regional pride and the regional identity that make up these countries is very strong. And it's kind of having a resurgence as we're seeing in with Scotland's vote to break away from England, with 
England's vote to break away from Europe, with Ireland's attempt to bring in Northern Ireland, with Catalonia's attempt to break away from Spain. You got all of these issues going on, and I think it's again, I think it's contrary to the point of education if you say no, you can't go, and then just filter out all the information right. available to them. So I, I feel pretty strongly about that, and I I spent the first three years, four years at NAFSA at the uh, International Education uh, Conference, kind of you know listening more than I talked, but you know those days are over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I because love it. I see, I see what these administrators, what the students of these administrators do on the ground in each of these cities. You know, mm -hmm. I see it with my own two eyes what's going on, and they don't uh, from an office. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's just I you know from living this, I have experiences to 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 back up um, these uh, these opinions that I have. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, um, last week's episode is uh, with Natalie Garrett, my co-founder on the Study Abroad Journal, and we talk about that as well in terms of, as a field, we talk a lot about what we want students to sort of uh, come away with from these experiences, but oftentimes we just want them to get it. You know, We just want yeah. them to know, oh, it has to be more than just awesome. It has to be more, but right. there aren't a, a lot of tools, and definitely there's more providers and more programs trying to... Um, integrate this as part of the larger experience but that's why we created the journal because we we're thinking well here there's a problem let's create yeah. a solution and i think what you're doing is is really cool in that way because you're right i think students are going to do it anyway and mm -hmm. you know i had my own uh brook version of a weekend student adventure mm -hmm. <laughs> to italy when i studied abroad and i'm mm -hmm. sure i could have done a lot better but i was poor i was like sleeping on the trains just mm -hmm. to make it happen but Good for you. <laughs> you know now i'm like oh i should get his book and and see see if i could do it over do it well do it right but uh, mm. I think that's really cool so let's let's segue just a little bit um, and, and I want to ask you one more question more about the professional sort of space and people trying to get a career in international education one of the cool things about what you've done and something I actually try to teach in a, in a kind of different way in my Global Pro Institute is I talk about gaining strategic experience for the jobs you want. And mm -hmm. and a lot of times I, I talk about it as in create the experiences that you want, right? If you mm -hmm. want to have mm -hmm. X experience on your resume, go out and create that opportunity for yourself. Yes. One of the yep. cool things that I think you've done is you not that you were trying to like work in international ed, but you basically created your own job. You said, well, I want to be in this space. I want to serve this audience. And I, you created mm -hmm. it for yourself. What, you know, what are you, if somebody, you know, you're getting bigger now, your company's growing, you're going to soon enough, I'm sure have your own staff of 80, like your dad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are, what are some of the key characteristics that you'll be looking for as you start to grow your team? You know, that's a great point. And, and since I, or a question, since I started my company, hiring and HR and hiring the right people has been easily the biggest challenge mm -hmm. um, since day one. And so that's been uh, very difficult for me to find the right person because, you know, travel. The travel industry has a, a, a glamorous um, uh, appearance. I think a lot of people perceive it to be a glamorous job from the outside, but it's just not. And um, it's hard work, and you have to be disciplined, and you need to be focused. Um, so, you know, those are some of the, the characteristics of people that I'm looking for. Uh, speaking about creating your own experience, you know, when I came back to Notre Dame from um, – 
uh, from Rome, I started a website where I just dumped all of the information that I kept having to write emails, you know, responses to my friends about what they should do in Europe. I just started copying that information over and put it in onto a, a simple website. Um, and I was growing that over my senior year and super senior year at Notre Dame. Um, but then uh, I ch- channeled that information into a business plan for WSA and I competed in Notre Dame's business plan competition um, and we came away in first place. So I was like, you know, with the blessing of these entrepreneurial judges, I was like, I have to give this a shot and, mm-hmm. and see what I can make of it. So you're, you're absolutely right about creating your own experience. You know, if you're, if you loved studying abroad, you know, whether it's in Sydney or Tokyo or Paris um, and you come back, you should be volunteering your time in the international office to see how it works. You know, see if you can't get an internship and, um, and see what sort of opportunity are available to you there because then once you actually meet somebody who could give you a job, then you have something on your resume that's relevant. That's really important because a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of offices out there don't necessarily have the time to teach you everything from ground from from you know ground zero or the, the from the ground level. Um, you can uh, you know they're happy to bring you up to speed a little bit, but. But it's it takes a lot of time to to train individuals and get, make sure that they're uh, capable of the job that they're applying for. So um, you know that's that's always something I'm looking for a little bit of experience. I know it's I know it's tough when you're just getting out of college, mm-hmm. but um, but it, it is. You can you can definitely spot the active students and the active recent grads who who are putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say you know getting getting that internship while you're still in school is is really valuable because I think you're more likely to get a yes if you're, you know, right on campus all the time and, mm-hmm. and recently returned. So you get the, your own campus's process a little bit better because you just went through it. I think that's great advice. I think too, if you're already graduated and you're out there pounding the pavement right now, another way to sort of think about gaining that, that practical experience is, is not just looking in the traditional avenues uh, like the study abroad office, for instance, is trying to find other types of organizations locally that need really need help. Because oftentimes I feel I, I've seen a lot of people banging on the door of people who have a fully fledged team. They've got it all worked out. You know, um, mm-hmm. they it's very well oiled and bringing on an intern is more of a nuisance than an actual uh, benefit sometimes. And so if you can find those organizations that are clearly really small, clearly really scrappy, and then it's up to you to demonstrate the value you're going to bring. So right. in your example, if somebody came to me and said, oh, I want to work for that WSA company that said, I'm awesome. Um, this is a cheap advice here, you guys, <laughs> and free, uh, is, is that, you know, I would figure out exactly what's working at WSA. I would dive deep, analyze everything they're doing from social to getting on their newsletter to calling their, their customer service line, figure out everything about what's happening over there, and then pitch Andy or someone on his team. Of, uh-huh. It seems like you guys might need some help here, and I have some ideas. And I think that's a better way to go about it because, one, you're going to be like, whoa, I'm impressed. <laughs> that you just mm-hmm. didn't email me and say, give me an internship. Um, right, and right. I think uh, a lot of times people don't put a lot of that upfront effort to sort of demonstrate why they bring value to whoever yeah. they're pitching. You know, that, that's a great point, Brooke. And um, one thing I'd, I want to follow up with that is um, it's, you know, I studied industrial design and uh, Italian language and literature. I had no business class that, that I took before I graduated. And then when I graduated and I started my company, you come to, 
you know, I, I remember those that cartoon from back in the day where the little turtle or something saying like money makes the world go round or, you know, like, and that sounds like such a pessimistic way of looking at things. But when it comes to running a business, it's just fact, you know, that it, it is the way um, the economy works, obviously. And, um, and so, so important. And I'm always telling my people, this is, look, I'm, I'm totally down to hire whoever as long as they can bring in more than they cost the company to to bring them on. Yeah. You know, it's so important to to be to verbalize how you're going to generate that revenue for a young startup um and make sure that that revenue is going to be higher than whatever the company pays you because obviously there's other expenses that we have to cover right. um and we're just trying to grow. So, mm-hmm. um you know, that's a very fundamental thing as well. Very cool. Okay, one final question. It's more of a fun thing. Um, so looking back, you've traveled obviously all over Europe, but all over the world at this point as well. Um, if you could study abroad again and sort of go back to past Andy and whisper in his ear, uh, mm-hmm. you can't choose Rome again. So mm-hmm. where where would you go this time and why? Oh, wow. Um, you know what? I'm I'm kind of itching to get on a semester at sea. That sounds oh, like a, you, you can see the whole world. I worked for semester world, at sea. You know? so, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, it'd be it'd be great to uh, uh, you know to to have one place where you can you know drop your bags and go in and, and check out the different cities along the way. Of course, it's very much surface level. Um, but as far as other places to study abroad, geez. Um, you know, uh, I'd love to. I love Madrid. That's that's probably my. That would be my second European city to to go to. I love Madrid, and I want to improve my Spanish. Never taken any Spanish classes, but I can blend it a little bit between my French and Italian, and it seems to it seems to work. It's not pretty, but it, yeah. it gets by. It gets me by. Yeah. So um, I'm with yeah, you. I, I love so. love love Madrid. People rave about Barcelona, and I, Barcelona is lovely, but I think people kind of miss it a little bit if if they don't uh, spend some quality time in Madrid. It's a really great city. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here, Andy. Brooke, thanks so much for having me, and please keep me in mind. I'm happy to come back always. Thank you so much for being here, Andy, and thank you guys so much for listening in. I hope you got a lot out of that episode. If you want to connect with Andy and Weekend Student Adventures, go follow them on Twitter as WSA Europe, and you can also check them out on Facebook, and I'll have links to all of those things in the show notes, and you can connect and learn more about his book, all that great stuff over on Inside Study Abroad. If you want to connect with me, please feel free to do so. Personally, I am the new Dorothy on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat if you're down with that. And you can also follow along with Inside Study Abroad uh, on Instagram and Twitter as In Study Abroad. Uh, next week, just a little teaser about the topic, I'm going to be diving into a solo episode and talking about the myths of working in international education and meaningful travel. Um, with the recent launch of the Global Pro Institute, I was doing a lot of workshops online and talking with people about why they want to work in international education and it's really inspiring to hear a lot of these stories but it's also really interesting to hear how there is a little bit of a disconnect between what people think the work is going to be like versus the reality on the ground so I'm going to give a little insider's view of what it's really like to work in international education and the three most common myths about about the work that we do so stay tuned for that episode next week and if you guys have any 
guests that you would love to for me to interview about their story, about their organization and what they're doing to really move the needle and impact the work that we're doing in international education, please uh, go over to Inside Study Abroad, the contact form, and send me their information and let me know why you think they should be on the podcast. And I hope to have many more guests. We only have a few more episodes left in season one, and I'll be regrouping and lining up a bunch of guests for season two this fall. So stay tuned for that. Until next time, you guys have a wonderful weekend, and I will see you on the inside. Bye for now.